Kivach. A pleasure to see everybody here on this Parshas Kisisa. Now, <clears throat> the truth of the matter is that those of you who saw the title for the Shir this week uh, probably noticed that the title in the name of Mordechai would seem to indicate perhaps more of a Purim theme than directly a Parsha theme. And you are correct. Because the connection between what I'm going to speak about and this week's Parsha is going to be somewhat tenuous. But uh, my feeling is that since if this wasn't a leap year, it would have been after Purim already. And I figure by now everybody's more or less in the Purim spirit, or certainly out of every other type of spirit. But I think it's important to point out uh, a mistake that people make, and that is people assume that Adrashani, when we celebrate Purim and Shushan Purim, is in fact uh, Adr, and Adr Rishon is just something that sort of happens along the way. Now this is a mistake, because in fact Adr Rishon is our every year run-of-the-mill Adr, and Adrashani is a more intensified Adr. As such, one of those occasions when leap years come around, obviously I'm not talking about the English leap year when we get an extra February, you know, extra day in February, which is of course not that exciting, but we actually air on a whole extra month of Adar when you have, as we had earlier, a Purim Katan which is one of the less observed holidays, although if you went to shul, you noticed we did not say Laminat Seach, and you know, Laminat Seach is pretty important. You know, we don't always leave out Laminat Seach. Tachlan, okay, you go to the right minion, it'll be an occasion if you ever say it, you understand? But you leave out Laminat Seach, that's already something special. So uh, the fact that we left it out, and that the Mishnah tells us we should be having sudas, and the Gros says that we should be drinking, well, it means that many of us missed a golden opportunity for spiritual growth. As such, it just tells us that as we are moving from one Adr into the next one, next Shabbos is already Shabbos Mavarachet, Adr Beis is coming around the, mount, uh, the corner, it's going to be here very shortly, so that when we move into this year's Purim, it has to be a more intensified Purim. Now, of course, those of us who live in Yerushalayim, Baruch Hashem, next year we're going to have an opportunity for a super-intensified Purim, because it's going to be a Purim Mishulash. 72 hours of intense intoxication. But, <laughs> intoxication, I guess it's intoxication too. But, uh, but this year that there's a second Adar and the second Purim is going to be even more intense. So I want to, if I can, take an idea on Purim, which as I mentioned has some connection to us now in this week's parasha, but mostly is going to be a little bit further. Okay, we all know the Purim story. We haven't seen the Megillah now in over a year, right, on the lunar calendar, because we've, we, no one, I don't, I don't assume anybody was mocked to look it over on Purim Cotton. So we've missed that already, right? It's over a year uh, since we've had a chance to really take a good look at the Megillah. We remember more or less the stars of the show, right? We have Esther Hamalka, we have Mordechai, we have Haman, we have Achashverosh. We know our whole cast of characters. We know the story well. So let's get to the end of the story. The end. Marish the end of the story. Where does the story end? Well, if you're looking in the Megillah, so you know that Mordechai apparently, I'm uh, reading from Perak Yud, Pasek Yimuki, Mordechai Yehudi, Mishnah Lamelech Achashverosh, he is the second in command, the prime minister to Achashverosh, the God of Yehudim, great among the Jews, he was um, acceptable to most of his brothers, Doresh Tov, which again, you know, if you're a Jew, that's really exceptional. Doresh Tov la'amo v'doyveshalom l'kol zaroi. He spoke good of, to his people and spoke peace to all of his descendants. Right? Now, the uh, the fact of the matter is that we know that who was it that he wasn't quite accepted to? It was the Sanhedrin, Rashi says. Yeah. Because since he was now in a position of power, so Mixa Sanhedrin separated for him, because now that he was involved with the Malchus, 
He didn't have that much time to learn. So it sort of ends in a sort of bittersweet note for our friend Mordechai. That, however, is not the end of the story. Anyone who wants to see the end of the story has to go look in a somewhat unusual place, which is, of course, Mishnayish Shkolem. Mishnayish Shkolem, which, uh, which is, is, we know very well, say to Moed, and uh, it uh, has no Gemara on it, except in the Rushalmi, Dafyomi includes it in even. But Perikhei tells us the following. I'm going to tell you the names of the people who had various positions in the base of Mikdash. Which means that these people either had this hereditary position, or it means they were the first ones to hold the position, or everyone who had the job got this name, whatever it was. Yochran ben Pinchas Achosmos. Yochan and Pinchas was in charge of the stamps, the receipts. You wanted to buy something in the base of Migdash, you went over, you paid the money, you got a little thing with a little stamp, tells you what you get, you go in and redeem it. Achia and Sochim. Achia was in charge of all of the wine offerings. Metasia ben Shmuel al Paisus. He was in charge of the lotteries. Right? Where the Kohanim would go into a big circle and he would go around and count. And of course you have to play to win. And if you do, then Baruch Hashem, you got to do the Avodah that day. Psachia al-Hakinin. Psachia was in charge of all of the bird offerings in the Beis HaMikdash. Now the Mishnah doesn't want to leave you in suspense, because I know by this point everyone is of course charming at the bit hearing these exciting names. Psachia says the Mishnah, Zem Mordechai. There is our old friend Mordechai, who from the Megillah, who the Sanhedrin was purged from him, little did we imagine the base of Megillah is rebuilt, he's renamed Psachia, and he's there in charge of the birds. Lama Nikrishmo Psachya. Why was he called Psachya? Notice, it doesn't help much to use an alias if the Mishnah tells us who it really is. Why was he called Psachya? Shahaya Paseach Bidvarim Vidarshin Vyodeya Shivim Lashin. He was called Psachya because he would be able to explain and understand 70 different languages. Hence, he was put in charge of the bird offerings. Now, there's something missing here. I don't know if you quite hop. <clears throat> the Mishnah in Pekiyavos tells us that the area of Kenan were among the hardest areas in Halacha and one of the most difficult positions in the Beis HaMikdash. Uh, all you have to do is do Mishnah's Kenan to get a keen insight into exactly how terrible it is. I have charts, pictures, graphs, of my attempt to get through Mishnayis Kenan. And there are a bunch of nests, and there are different types of birds. There's a Torah and a Ben Yoyna, and you have to bring one for one, and this for the other, and one is an Ola, and one is a Chatas. But of course, someone else brought in the Dava. And the birds are constantly flying from one nest to the other. Constantly, the entire Masechta, there's not one bird who stays in his nest. He's hopping into this one, into that one, that one. And of course, you don't know, was that the Chathas, was that the Ola, was that the Nadava? And so therefore, we spend an enormous amount of time trying to figure out which bird is which. And who, of course, is given this amazing position? Mordechai HaYehudi. Why? Well, it could be suggested that the people in the Sanhedrin who didn't like him were trying to get back to him. But of course... Since we know from Pekayavos that this is one of the hardest areas of halacha, obviously it must be that Mordechai must have been, as we know, not just a Navi, but an outstanding Talmud Chacham, that we handed him one of the most difficult jobs in the entire Beis HaMikdosh. The Baratunura says the following. Um, We had to put someone who was very wise and knowledgeable in charge of this. As it says in Meseches Avos, This is the hardest area, so we need somebody very smart. That's why he was called Bilshan. 
Sha'ola min Hagaila, he came up out of the exile. Vinikrakane, Shahayabola Lushonas Harabe. He was called this position because he was Bolel. He mixed together all of the different Lashonas. I'm confused at this point. The name Mordechai Bilshon tells us Mordechai's unbelievable gift with language. The fact that he was Psachya and that so he was named the Posach Vidarish Bashivim Loshit. And therefore we put him in charge of one of the hardest areas of Halacha. I, I would have understood if we put him in charge of this because we said Mordechai was the smartest guy in the whole Sanhedrin. He knew more. Boy, was he smart. You know how he outwitted Haman? That was nothing. He'll tell you which bird goes into which nest. You think he's impressive? That's nothing. You know what a Talmud Chacham. You know what a genius. You know how knowledgeable. Chacham Abaki, as it says. Why is he selected to be put in charge of the bird offerings because he speaks 70 languages? To take it further, you know, why did he speak? Now, we know he speaks 70 languages because we know the famous story with Bixen and Seresh where they were plotting to kill uh, Ahasuerus. And, uh, and so therefore, he... Um, he overheard the conversation, and luckily he spoke Tarshish, Tarshishian, and was therefore able to rescue uh, the, the situation, right? Because of his knowledge of 70 languages. Why did he speak 70 languages? Because he was on the Sanhedrin. Everybody on the Sanhedrin spoke 70 languages. That was a requirement before you got there. So how come the fact that we're putting emphasis on, on, on his ability to speak 70 languages when everybody had to speak 70 languages and that's the reason that he's selected for this extremely difficult job. Mordechai as Psachia. And in fact, the Gemara and the Yushalmi Shkolem describes what this means. And bring stories of a woman who didn't quite understand what was going on, and so she uh, she had said one thing, the Chacham didn't understand, Mordechai understood what she was saying. And it's not at all clear from the Gemara if Mordechai understood because he spoke the language, or because he understood what the woman was trying to say. In either event, I don't know what that means, that he had this unbelievable ability to speak these languages, and therefore we gave him this job. However, this much is clear, and that's why this postscript, if I can, to the Purim story, where we're told Mordechai's name is changed to Psachia, and Mordechai uh, is put in charge of the Kenan, this sort of postscript to the story, is interesting because we find throughout the Purim story that speech seems to play a central role. Well, we know already he's called Mordechai HaBilshan, as the Baratunu tells us, Balal Shivam Lashon. And that's exactly how it came about, right? He spoke to 70 languages, he understood it. We all know what the Chachamim tell us in Pirkei Avos, they call me and therefore it came about because Mordechai told Esther and Esther said it over in the name of Mordechai. Seems to be doing a lot with the name of Mordechai. Yeah? And if you take a look, the fact that Mordechai understood the languages, listen to what Rashi says at the beginning of Paragimel. Paragimel is more or less a transition. The first two prokim are something that is of tremendous significance to us because Haman's name does not appear. And that's not because we really have such a hatred for Haman. But some of those kids, when the name starts to come around, like I want you to tell you, there are some people who would much rather kill the kids. You know what I'm saying? Now, I have to confess that, uh, that, you know, I, I don't know that we're really capturing the fullest experience 
I didn't mean you. Goodness gracious. Some of these kids are so temperamental. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is that, um, you know, some people, of course, Makayim, the, you know, you know, really to bang away. Yeah. Now, when I was first married, you know, so the first year, you know, we did everything regular. I would go to the Megillah reading, and uh, then I'd come home, and me and my wife would do that quick switcheroo, and she would, uh, you know, run off, you know, and I would stay with the little kids, you know. And then I had this great hop, and I said to my wife, listen, why don't you go to the main reading? They always need a minion at the women's Kriya. I'll go to that. Now, she fell for this, you see, because those of you who've ever had a chance to be like one of the minion at the women's Kriya, you know, you know what the women do? Come on. Come on. See? My wife went to the main reading. They've got these 18-foot groggers, air horns. People are throwing, like, explosive devices. You know what I mean? And people are taking submachine guns, shooting in the air. You know what I'm saying? You know? You know, so she caught on after a while. We had to switch again, but you know, but uh, but but parent Gimel is like the turning point. The first two program is really nice. You sit there with your with your Megillah, you're reading along. It's such a wonderful experience, you know. And then you hit parent Gimel. Now, luckily, right? Okay, you know the rest. So Achashverosh uh, promotes his new prime minister. What's Achad Varma'ela, says Rashi? Right after Mordechai tells the story to, um, to, uh, Esther, V'yivode ha'dover le-Mordechai, V'yagele Esther Malka, V'tome Esther le-Melech, V'shem Mordechai, He tells it over in the name of Mordechai, V'yivokesh ha'dover y'motzei, V'yitolu shneihem al-eitz, and they write it in the King's Chronicles. Says Rashi, To tell us that we've already created the cure. Gida Melech, Shakurish Baruchu Bore Rafua, Lemakosan Shi Israel, Kodum Shiyavi Hamaka Alehem. That means the story is already over to a person who is a careful watcher. The story has already ended. You don't realize it because you have to listen to Haman get banged out 18,000 times. Understand? You have to listen to the whole story, the intrigue. But to someone who has the picture, by Peric, the end of Peric Bay's, the story's over. All, all the pieces have been laid in place in order to be able to guarantee that we're going to have a happy ending. Let's uh, take another strange Gemara. And this will be the link, of course, to Parshish Kisisa. Yeah, It's a Gemara in Chulin, which is dealing with a mitzvah, Shluach HaKan, which... Again, is Noig Bizman Azeh. We can still do this mitzvah. It's supposed to be a wonderful skula. All kinds of wonderful things. And the Gemara is dealing with how exactly you do the mitzvah. And on Daf Kuflam and Tesum and Beis and Chulin it says, What happens if you find a nest on top of someone's head? Now, it's good because, like I say, it's Neugbizmanaz, and these things are halachalamaisa. And I have seen certain people who sit there, I can see a bird putting a nest on their head, you know what I mean? Be that, be that as it may, right? So, Omar va'adoma arosho. Yeah, dirt on his head. Yeah. So Rashi says, Shmamina Adam Gufiadamahu. You know, you see that a person is still basically called dirt. So therefore when somebody says to you, You're dirt, they don't mean it in a bad way. They're referring to this Gemara and Khulin. Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was pretty obvious. You understand? Fine. Now immediately following this, this needless to say, gives rise to the next obvious question. Which is Minayin where could you find Moshe in the Torah? Now, obviously, they must have been looking at Barshish Tetzaveh. 
But obviously, I guess they're not telling us where you find Moshe's name in the Torah, but rather tell us something about the essence, especially since you just told us that people are more or less essentially dirt. So, Moshe too? Bishagam hu basa. Telling us by the door of Mabel, a human being, Bishagam, in Gematria is Moshe. The base in the Gimel is, hey, that's Moshe. Okay. That leads us to the next logical question. Haman Minatari Minayan. Where's Haman in the Torah? We all know. Hamin Ha'etz. Did you eat from the tree I told you not to eat from? The eight Sadas. That's where Haman is hiding out. Esther Minatari Minayan. And where's Esther in the Torah? Vanochi Hastir Astir. I am Right? Kodesh Baruch Hu says, I will hide my face. Astia, that's Esther. Mordechai in the Torah, Minayin. And where is Mordechai in the Torah? Dechsev, from this week's parasha, more drawer. More, which is mer, or mosque, as some people translate it. Drawer, free, pure, whatever it's going to be translated. More drawer. There's Mordechai. I, it's not. It's close, but it's not Mordechai. It's more drawer, right? <laughs> we can tell the difference. We have studied Gemara for many years. Can't fool us. Answer the Gemara. Umetargaminan miradachya. Of course. The targum of more drawer is miradachya. That's still not Mordechai. That's not Mordechai in the Targum either. Where is Mordechai? So it tells us more drawer, that's not Mordechai. Miradachyu is not Mordechai. So the Chsam Seifer, obviously, you gotta take both of them together. If you take the more from Hebrew and Dachya from Aramaic and put the two of them together, that's Mordechai. Yeah. Now, Sometimes Gemara's like this make us wonder that there must be a deeper message underlying it. Why is Mordechai only there in the Targum? And why is he there in the context of the question of a bird's nest? Isn't that interesting how the Gemara manages to remain thematic? Well, let's understand a little bit about Mordechai. Mordechai and his connection to speech, to Lashon. I always understand about Lashon. Probably be the best thing to do. Um, when Akash Baruch created the world, Adam Marishon spoke Lashon HaKodesh. Right? Lashon HaKodesh. It bears probably today the closest resemblance to modern Hebrew. But uh, modern Hebrew is not quite the same. Right? You can find some profound differences. Yeah, As somebody uh, pointed out once, I don't know who made this observation, but, uh, you know, um, uh, the, uh, how do you say, back axle in Hebrew? Back axle. How do you say front axle? Back axle kid me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's not quite Lashon Hakodesh. It's 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 close to it, you know. Perhaps more more interesting is we know we talk about the Luchos Habris. A luach is of course a stone tablet that is carved completely through. Yeah, like carved in stone. We use luach in modern Hebrew for something that is immediately erased. You understand? So perhaps there's a message there for us. But in any event. Um, Lashon HaKodesh was the original language that everybody spoke. Adam Arishon. And they continued to speak Lashon HaKodesh until Migdal Bavel. When we got to Migdal Bavel, so HaKodesh Baruch Hu was Mebalbel of the Lashonos. How did that work? Well, if everyone spoke Lashon HaKodesh, it, it wasn't just that HaKodesh Baruch Hu made up a bunch of other languages. Like, for example, we know that there's this word in Hebrew called totafot. Yeah? What are totafos? You will not find totafos. 
Yeah, the Targum translates it as Tfilin. Because there's no Totafos. Totafos, Rashi tells us, is a contract between two other languages, and it brings together this contraction, Tot and Fot, two and two, it's four, it's four, it tells us the four partios. Okay. But what are we doing pulling out different languages and things together? Obviously, when a Baruch Hu took Lashon HaKodesh and changed all the languages, it wasn't that he invented 70 new languages, but rather it's as if he held up a prism to Lashon HaKodesh, and it filtered out into these 70 languages. And Amalogists tell us that originally all, all people spoke one language, uh, they called Ur, and eventually that, you know, you can find if your roots in all languages back to a primal language. They don't suggest Hebrew. That's what we say. Lashon HaKodesh was the original language. You can find in Hebrew, you can find remnants of Lashon HaKodesh in all the languages, and all the other languages in Hebrew, like uh, Televizia, right? You can find that in Hebrew. Obviously, you know, I don't mean Televizia. But uh, there are other things, uh, Pacify and Mephayes in English, for example, you know. There, there are similarities between many words that you can find in Lashon HaKodesh from other languages, and in other languages that are part of Lashon HaKodesh. It's split into different languages. What happened once everybody had their own language? They became their own people. At Migdal Buffalo, everybody was working together. Everybody says, we have this big project, we have to build this giant tower. Yeah? Suddenly everybody speaks a different language, and they're not working together. Suddenly they become identified as 70 different nations. Bechol am v'lashon. That's a language. A language tells us an enormous amount about the people speaking it. Inui, for those of you who are not familiar with it, the language of the Eskimos, has over 25 words in it for snow. Cold snow, not so cold snow, slush, blowing snow, swirling snow. And every type of snow gets a different word. What does this tell us about these people? They probably have a strong attachment to snow. They know there's snow. Snow is something important to these people. Yeah? And that's what happens. Yeah? They, they, the, the language captures your essence. Italian. There are over, there are, I think over 80 different words for noodles. You understand? <laughs> Next time you have an opportunity to go to America, go to the Ranzoni Isle. Linguini, spaghetti, macaroni, maracati, fusilli, la, la camacho, macho, fizzy, pecchi, acopeco. Is that every time you take a, a noodle and put it in a different shape, it gets its own word. Understand? Uh, when I came here, all they had were itriot and macaroni. You bought spaghetti, it was macaroni. You understand? Every, that was it. Two words. It's noodles. It's okay what shape it comes in. It's the same thing. Especially the way they boil it up in the one big mush anyway, you can't tell the difference. You know what I mean? So everything, you know, so you suddenly take it and you twirl it around, now it's facility. Yeah, it's really thick, it's like a good, make it thin, it's linguine, make it this way, you turn it that way. It's just noodles, understand? But obviously to Italians, pasta takes on an almost spiritual significance, understand? <laughs> Tells us about the people. German, you listen to German and you say, this is a language that's good for violence, understand, you know? Every word, you know. Actually, they say that it's supposed to be very good for expressing philosophy. You understand? Assuming you have enough time to listen to these words, you know, because every word is like huff and diff and this and vase and gist and gust and gate and yacht and yeah, which is like yes, you know what I mean? Like, you know, in philosophical terms, you know, they have very complex words, etc. You know, um, French is supposed to be a wonderful language for expressing romance. Jean de Dieu, Jean de omelette de fromage, Jean. Oui, oui, chapeau, chapeau. So they say, I don't know, I, I didn't make it in French class. I, to this day, I only know one sentence. Jean de dans de salle de classe. Which means I go into the classroom and I, and I was just, I went to the French bakery over here and I found it didn't help me at all. I tried to, didn't help me, you know. Uh, English is a good language for commerce, if you want to do business. You understand? 
And if you don't believe me, I've mentioned this more than once, you know, just walk into any place in, in Israel and say, excuse me, I'd like some help. No, no, even my daughter. I don't say, no, no. Do you accept dollars? Yes, my brother, come in. Yes. <laughs> All of a sudden they understand you perfectly. Perfect English. It is the language of commerce. <laughs> And that's why certain ideas can only be expressed in certain languages. Certain languages have words that you can't translate. Nebuch. Translate Nebuch. There's no word for Nebuch. He's not a Nebuch. You understand? I try, sometimes I speak and I say Nebuch. It's a pity. It's a pity is not a Nebuch. It's a Nebuch. You can't say it. Right? Uh, in Hebrew, there's no word for four pa. Because the concept does not exist. You understand? <laughs> Or saying something inappropriate. You understand? You know, there is nothing so inappropriate. You know, I, uh, I, I uh, had this experience when I first came here. You know, and I, I rented my first apartment, and an American who had been here for ten years, um, whose name I won't mention, but uh, he is closely related to the shore we're standing in, and uh, he said to me, um, "Since I've been here long enough, I can ask this: How much is your rent?" <laughs> you understand? Like that's something in America. People don't just go say, what did that cost? How much did you make? What did you pay for this? You understand? But you live here long enough, there's nothing that is inappropriate enough that it should not be asked. Right? Um, English has a word obnoxious, which again, can't be translated. Right? Can't be translated per se into another language. So once you divide people's languages, you divide them as people. Their culture suddenly becomes changed. Yeah? To kill your wife. Yeah? And so what does he do after he kills his wife? He decides that he's going to make sure that this doesn't happen again. So he orders because she didn't come. Um El Komedi, I'm in the Megillah says the Perak Aleph Parasek Chav Beis. V'yishach Svarim El Komedina is Hamelach. El Medina, El Medina Kichisavo. According to their writings, V'el Am V'am Kilshono. And every nation according to their language, Leos Kol Ish Sore Bebeso. Every man will be master of his house. Umedaber Kilshon Amo. And will speak the language of his people. Speak the language of his people. Explains the Ralbag that every person has to, every wife now has to speak the language of her husband. See, this was a very strange thing. You imagine you're a king, you want to unite everybody speaking one language. But that was not Ahasuerus' concern. He wanted to make sure that no wife would come in with her own concerns into this home. Now we speak the husband's language. Whatever he says and his standards, that is what the wife has to follow. By the way, just to, to contrast this to a Torah point of view, uh, the Gemara and Ksuvis discusses that what a husband in certain instances can expect from his wife is dependent on where she came from. And what her people were used to, right? If, if she comes from a family that nurses, if she comes from a family that doesn't nurse, what you can demand and how and what, right? But that's not what we're saying over here. He's saying, no more room for your culture, no more room for your feelings, your expressions. Each home is going to run by its own little language. And everyone's going to have to follow that. <clears throat> Says the Medrash. Haman, the main thing that he did, or I should say one of the main things he did, in order to be able to bring about this terrible turn of events, was that he spoke Lashon Hara against B'nai Yisrael. Right? He goes to Ahasuerus and says, you know, there's a people who's not like everybody else. Mefuza, Furad Mena Amim, they're spread out, they live their own way, they do their own thing. You know, we're hard to work with these people. He had all kinds of bad things to say about them. Yeah? We mentioned, what was the last Pasik? The Dover Sholom Lechol Zar'o says the Maharal, by 
this shows us that Mordechai was able to undo the Lashon Hara of Haman. Meaning that Haman brought about this terrible disaster by speaking poorly. Mordechai was able to undo it by speaking well. That means right at the beginning, from the start, after Vashti is killed, he orders language is important. Understand? Right at the beginning, Haman creates the problem from language. And the very end of the of the of the of the Purim Megillah tells us that the cure is because of good speech. Mordechai, more drawer. More drawer is of course one of the spices that's used in the Ktairis. What is the Ktairis? Those of us who say Kabanais in the morning, you know that if you say a car, say the, the parsha of the carbon, it's as if you brought, you are maker of the carbon. If you say Ktairis, it's as if you brought Ktairis. So what are we saying? What is Ktairis? Alright, let's remember the story. Remember the story with Kairach. Where Kairach rebels against Moshe Rabbeinu and he is swallowed up by the earth. Him and his, uh, his people destroyed by fire. And the people are very upset. Because they think that maybe Moshe brought this about and that he could have maybe interceded. And they start complaining against Moshe, which again, you have to really wonder at this point if you should start complaining. But they start complaining and whoosh comes a Magaifa. People start dying. And Moshe says to Aaron, quick, take a pan, make incense, and you run right now into the midst of that Magefa and stop it. He stood, he stood right in between it and stopped it. How did he stop it? Says Rashi, Aaron went over there and there was the Malachim And he says, stop. The Malachim says, Hashem told me to destroy. He says, I... Moshe said, stop. He says, listen, I take orders from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He says, well, he's right over there with Moshe. See the Shekhinah? Come with me. And he takes the Malachamaz by the ear, drags him over. So Hashem says, stop, stop. Now, how did he know to do this? When Moshe Rabbeinu went up to Shemayim, all of the Malachim understood that Moshe Rabbeinu was somebody real special, and everybody gave him a matana, even the Malachamaz. The source of death said to Moshe, I got a present for you. I will tell you how to stop death. Ktiris stops death. Which means, Ktiris is the cure of death. Ktiris is life. Haman minatayra minayin. Where is Haman in the Tyra? He's the eight sadas. He is the source of all death. What does he want to do? He wants to kill everybody. Where is Mordechai in the Torah? Mordor. He's safely ensconced in the Ketiris because the Ketiris is the source of life. And so the battle between Mordechai and Haman, between the Eitz Hadas and the Ketiris is the battle between life and death. Let's take it a little further. What is life? Says the Mishnah with ten expressions, with ten sayings. HaKadosh Baruch who created the world. What we call existence is speech. The entire world rests in speech. And what is a person? So you know, they have this game, you can play mineral, vegetable, animal, right? We don't have those terms. We have a domain, sits there, silent. So meach, vegetable, it grows. Uh, chai, an animal, it has a life force. A human being is a medaber. A person speaks. What we call a living person is a person who has the power of speech. 
This world is speech. A human being is speech. Says the Nevesh HaChayim, HaKadosh Baruch Hu did not create us just as creations. We were created as creators. We may have mentioned once upon a time the says the Medrash, right, Kadoshim Tihiyu, you might think you could be as Kadosh as me. Comes the Pasik to say, no, I'm more Kadosh than you. And what was your Havamina? I thought I could be as Kadosh as Hashem. Oh, I can't. Teretz says, that's because we don't understand what a human being is. If we knew the power a human being has to be able to create and to affect the world, then yeah, we'd say, gee, you know, I wonder how far I can push this. I wonder, I know I have unbelievable power. How much do I have? How did Hashem create the world with the power of speech? And He gives us the power of speech to create or halila, destroy worlds. And so that brings us to the end of Pirkei where we learn about the Memchaz Dvarim, which says the last one of these 48 things you need in order to be able to acquire Torah. The Ha'omer Dava B'Shem Omro. If you say something over in the name of the person who said it. Holomarata if you say something over in the name of the one who said it, you bring the geula. That's at the end of Perak Bays, as we mentioned. Ask the Maharal. Why does it bring the geula? It's definitely a nice thing to do. Very nice. You don't want to be a plagiarist. You don't want to steal from people. Not nice. It's not a nice mida. And so he says the following. What is Gullus? First Gullus is, we were kicked out of Gan Eden. Yeah? Gullus, we were kicked out of Eretz Israel. The definition of Gullus is, we are not where we belong. The definition of Golis is, we are some place else, other than our place. We are out of place. If Golis is, we're out of our place, then by definition, Geula is, we go back to our place. When there is a Geula, and everyone goes where they belong, that's the antithesis of Golis. Brings the Geula because you didn't just say something, but what you said is you. I am what I said. Remember Pikiavos? Who Hoya Aymer? Who Hoya Aymer? Says the Baytanura. It's not someone once said. Right? An old joke. Someone once said. No, he probably said it many times. Right? Yeah. He, someone once said. Didn't say it once. You hear an expression. The buck stops here. You know. That's Harry Truman. You understand? You hear, you hear a certain phrase, certain expression. And you know. That's the person. That encapsulates the person who said it. You know. You'll say over a particular thing. And you'll mistake who said it. And someone said, no, that's not him. Now, he wouldn't say that. I can imagine who would, but it's not him. You know, you hear certain expressions and you can tell that that's more likely to have come from Rav Iron Kotler than from Yaakov Kamenetsky. Understand? You can tell from what was said. You know, who, who, certain phrases, certain identifications. What we say is who we are. Hillel. That was Hillel. That was Shammai. That was Rabbi Yochanan and Zakkai. It wasn't something they said once in passing. They said it over and over again. You know, one of the uh, one of the 
terrible fears I have is because, you know, since so many of my shirim are taped, and there are people who listen to my tapes, so I'm, I'm always worried that I'm repeating a story, an idea, or an example, you know, and uh, they heard it already, they heard it someplace else. So uh, somebody told me that they had uh, somebody else's tapes, you know, and I said, do they repeat themselves a lot? He says, uh, oh yeah. He says, and you wait for that story, and you know exactly how he's going to tell it, and it becomes a trademark. You know, Shadron, you know, he had certain stories. The stories encapsulated who he was when he told a particular story. It wasn't like you, know, you have to be afraid, you know, he's like, oh, here he goes again, you know what I mean? Oh no, he's going to tell the Tala story again. Oh, here we go, you know. Nobody ever felt that way with Shadron. You knew that he was telling you a story, and the story was, was capturing, it was like when you, you listen, it was this, there was this Italian singer who was somewhat popular, Frank Sinatra. He made a career out of like 10 songs and he sang them for 80 years. You know what I mean? The same 10 songs over and over again. And sometimes he sang it with this and they went that and re-recorded it, recorded it again, sang it with somebody else. He was 97 years old, he's singing the same he is for the band. You know what I mean? It didn't make a difference because the song, was more than just a song. It captured something about the person. Certain essential lahavdil. The same thing when you say something, it captures who we are. So Geula comes about when we understand this, and all the statements can be put where they belong. Means I understand what that person contributed to the world, who that person is, based on that statement. What happened in Migdal Bavel? Right, so Rashi tells us this person asked for uh, asked for uh, a mortar. He brought him a brick. He took it and cracked it over his head and killed him. Now, everybody here is, we're working together. We're trying to make a big tower. You're not going to get anywhere by cracking people over the head with bricks. You understand? It's going to cut down on the workforce. But the problem was, once everybody had their own language, they couldn't take the time or trouble to figure out what everybody else was saying. Everybody wanted to say what I want. And they didn't want to hear necessarily what anyone else had to say. Seventy different peoples speaking seventy languages, and by definition, they had seventy different purposes. Mordechai, Bilshan, Bolel Shivim Lashen. He mixed them all together. He didn't make them into one language. He didn't force everyone to speak Hebrew. But he took each language and traced it back to the source of what those people were trying to say with their language. He understood what they were saying. You have a band and everyone's playing an instrument and it has to be played the right way. Take a violin, you bang it on the table. It's not going to work. You blow on it, it's not going to work. Take a tuba and bang on it, it's not going to work. Strum it, it's not going to work. Every instrument has to be played by the way it's meant to play. Every language has to be understood for its nuances and understand what it is they're trying to say. You don't capture what the person's trying to say in his own language and express it. You miss something important. Right? I, was, I was once in a shir with Rutsiko uh, Shalevsky and he was saying over an idea and this one fellow was arguing with him in English and he kept, the shir was in Ivrit, and he kept answering him in Ivrit, and finally, you know, he couldn't take it anymore, and he started, you know, screaming at him in English, you know. So somebody else there from Switzerland starts screaming at him in Yiddish. So he turns around and starts screaming at him in Yiddish. Then he starts screaming at somebody in French. And he started, I don't remember if it was Spanish, but he was like yelling at people in 15 different languages, you know. Because the, the fact is that if, I, if you don't get the, the, the nuance based on what the person is trying, the way I understand it, you have to know where the person's coming from. It's one of my biggest uh, difficulties. I've been asked many times to speak in Hebrew. So, um, first of all, I don't know if my Hebrew is good enough to get myself uh, understood. I said, but even if I could understand it, all I would be doing is taking what I say in English and translating it. That's not language. Language is not I take one language and translate it. It's you have to be able to express it in another language. Now, the language is a, is a, is a, a complete... Uh, expression of the people. That's what Mordechai was able to do. He could pull them all together. The Maharal says, what does it mean he spoke 70 languages? 
means he was able to control all the people. You understand what they're saying, you understand how they work. And that was the base of Migdash. Right? Mordechai, who brings life into the world because he speaks all the languages. When they rebuild the base of Migdash, he's given a new name, Psachya. Posach Vidorash Bishivim Lashen. The Beis HaMikdash was there to be able to unite all of the people. Right? Shlomo Melech in his famous tefillah. He says if a Jew comes and davens for something and he deserves it, answer him. But if a, a person from any of the nations come and they pray in any language, answer them immediately. So everyone understands that this is a place where all people come together. So the Gemara increases says, right? Or well, the way it's uh, brought in, uh, in the morning, when we say Kabanois. Tanya, Rabbi Nosan Oimer, Kishihu Shochek Omer, Hodek Hetev Hetev Hodek, Mipnesha Hakol Yofol Absamim. When you grind up the spices, and they have to be ground up very well, you should be calling out, Hetev Hodek, Hodek Hetev Hodek. Grind well, well ground. Grind well, well ground. Grind well, well ground. That's good for the spices. What is so good about screaming with spices? Well, evidently, it's to tell us the difference between spices and wine. Wine should be kept very quiet. It's put into kegs and stuck underneath where it's quiet and it's dark. And the noise does not disturb the fermentation of the of the wine, the fine way it should be. Yeah, but spices for some reason does well with a lot of screaming, and that of course is the reason the uh, Yavitz brings um, that women wear perfume. Since they were granted this unbelievable ability to communicate, <laughs> Tisha Kavim were given to them in a very positive way. Right? Anyone who's seen husbands and wives communicate sometimes, right? The wife talks for about 20 minutes and the guy, husband goes, yeah? Uh-huh. Then, no sense giving him any spice. <laughs> it won't help him. <laughs> But women who have the ability to communicate, says the Yavitz, get the perfumes. Psachia is Mordechai, Mordror. He is the spices. Wine is quiet. By the way, remember where Haman was? The Eitz Hadas. We have a four-way machlaik is what the Eitz Hadas is. One of the shitas is wine. Shh, shashtil. Good way for death. Shh, don't talk. Life. Life comes with talking. Gullis, quiet. Geula, talking. Mitzrayim, we couldn't talk. When we came out, Pesach, Pesach, the mouth that talks. Mitzrayim, couldn't talk. We could groan, couldn't talk. Yeah? Moshe is supposed to go down to Mitzrayim. I can't talk. Take with you Aaron. What does Aaron do? He's mockery of the Ketiris. He talks. And Mordechai at the end of the story comes out in the begotten of the Kohen Gadol, who brings the Ketiris. He's a talker. Yeah. That's the secret of the Geula. Then we'll first talk, we'll laugh, we'll be able to express ourselves. In Golis we can't talk. So interesting today. What do we have? They call it an information overload. It is impossible to read the newspapers, the articles, listen to the talk show, on and on, so much, blah, 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 talk, 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 and nothing is being said. You understand? You can listen for hours, and people are desperate, they keep they keep turning on the news every hour, hoping something happened, some news, some story. People are talking and talking, but they're lost in the sounds of silence. I can't take credit for that line, but <laughs> you know what I mean. Achashverosh <laughs> says everyone has to speak their own language. Mordechai brings all the languages together. And he takes that power into the base of Mikdash. As Psachia, he is in charge of the birds. 
And he's in the Gemara in a discussion of birds. And what does the Gemara in Erechim say? Why does the Mitzayra bring birds? Because birds chatter, and this guy chattered. Birds do two things. They fly and they chatter. Says the Marsha, Mavus v'chayim biyad haloshon. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. So the Mitzayra brings two birds. One is shechted, that's the death, and one is left to fly, to tell you you have the power in your speech of life and death. And, the, and Yaakov takes it a step further. Why are there two birds? Because one is the Eitz Adas that brought death into the world, and the other one is the Eitz Chayim of Torah that brings life into the world. Good old Haman and Mordechai, right there with the two birds, the Eitz Adas, the Eitz Chayim. Mordechai, more drawer. What is drawer? A drawer could be pure, it could be free. Could be a bird. All of these things are in the name of Mordechai. Yeah? Geula, the power of speech, Ktairis. The fact of the matter is that when we come to Purim, we understand the following. We have tremendous power to affect with our speech. Lataif ulura. We can do a lot of good. We can do a lot of bad. Comes Purim. We can make an effort to understand. We can make an effort not to understand. Uh, I heard once from uh, uh, Rabbi Lef. That's the concept of Shalchmonos. We are so used to eating our food. We are so used to our own tam. It comes one day, let's taste somebody else's food. Let's look at it from somebody else's point of view. <clears throat> it's interesting that the Lashon, which is the power of speech, also has the taste buds. Yeah, understand what a person wants. And so, comes Mordechai to bring it all together. And because of Mordechai, what do the people do? They already had the Torah Shabbat Sav. Now they stand up and accept the Torah Shabbat Peh. The Torah that is spoken. The Torah that is expressed through the Peh. Usually we know what we are. We're very good at ourselves. We know what we like. We know our tastes. We understand ourselves. We have tremendous tolerance for ourselves. We don't necessarily understand everybody else. When it comes to Purim, we have to make a special effort to reach beyond ourselves. To understand Pesach V'dorash B'Shivim Lashen, not just to be smart, but to understand the language of the other person where they're coming from, what they're trying to say. In South Africa, tuition is the level of study. Tuition payment is what you pay. So, my uh, my brother's brother-in-law. So, he married a girl from South Africa, and she tells the story. When her father first came across, went to the local day school, and uh, they... Uh, he was unhappy with the level of study. He was South African. So he made an appointment to the principal to complain about the tuition. So you can see the scene. He walks in and he says, Rabbi, I'm very unhappy with the tuition. He says, oh, here it goes. You know. What's your problem? He says, it's too low. He says, the, tu- the tuition is too low? He says, yes, I want you to raise the tuition. He says, well, uh, I don't know if the parents will agree with you. He says, I'm sure all the parents want a high tuition. He says, uh, no, I, they come in demanding a low tuition. So that can't be. He says, in fact, we raise money to keep a low tuition in this school, you know. Now, it took them about 45 minutes to figure out what each one was talking about, and by then everybody went home. <laughs> How often does that happen? 
You know, uh, a person comes in, you know, I just saw two neighbors fighting recently, and the guy's sitting there screaming because, you know, he left something, whatever it is, and he's sitting there screaming, and you, da, da, da. and he says, sir, and you, da, da, da. And you don't understand, and, da, 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 da. and finally he says, it's not mine. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sometimes people don't stop even then. That doesn't make a difference, because you should, you know, we get ourselves so worked up, we don't have enough time. I, I, teach a course in teaching how to answer the basic questions. I say, here's the best phrase that will help you. What do you mean? What do you mean? What do you want to know? We are so quick to answer the question that we thought was asked, to deal with the problem we think they have, instead of taking the time to understand. <clears throat> Purim, this year, will be on an even higher level, and a greater potential. As Rechayish Beloved says, there's a greater Kabbalah Satayra, hence a greater Geula, because there was a greater Achtus. And that only comes because everyone understands that they're essential. This week we had the Eagle. The Eagle comes about because there's period. I say this, and you say that, and he this, and he that. The Mishkan comes about because there's Achtus. Besamikdash Geula comes when we understand who everybody is and where they belong. And in Mitzvah Hashem, this will be the last Purim that we have to spend in any kind of a Gullus.